What's up, everyone? Welcome into Nonstop BS. I'm Cole Lynchide, your host. Today on the show, we're going to be going over some more news in the NFL with the franchise tag deadline coming up and players starting to get tagged. We will continue into our series of projecting starting quarterbacks in the NFL in 2000, for 2023, um, finishing that up with our last two divisions being the NFC North and NFC East. And then we will conclude with our best bets for the weekend in the NBA, XFL, and in the Pennzoil 400 at Las Vegas in the NASCAR Cup Series. Looking forward to the show. Thanks for listening to Nonstop BS. Are you sick and tired of listening to the legacy media speak repetitively on the same teams, topics, ideas, themes, and players every day? Nonstop BS is a podcast that will give you topics and thoughts about the NFL, NBA, college sports, NASCAR, and others with a deeper vision into why things happen the way they do around the world of sports. There are so many lazy takes from all your favorite media personalities that frustrate you and me every day when we turn on our television or phone. Whether it has to do with politics and sports, promoting big brands, and ridding topics of context just to sway the listener's opinion. I, for one, am sick and tired of this type of sports media, and that's why I'm bringing you Nonstop BS. Nonstop BS will dig deep into the why things happen in our favorite sports leagues, creating interesting conversation along with making me and you a smarter, more insightful, broad-thinking sports fan. Not to mention, I will give you betting picks for multiple leagues using our new way of thinking about the world of sports and having a little bit of fun with it, along with maybe putting some money in our wallets. So if this sounds like something you've been craving when tirelessly listening to people shout at you about how wrong you are from all of your favorite sports media outlets, then make sure you tune in with me, Cole Lynchide, and take the journey of these fantastic seasons we are gifted to enjoy for entertainment with me on Nonstop BS. What's up, everyone? Welcome into Nonstop BS. My name is Cole Lynchide, and on today's show, we have a lot of NFL news with the um, NFL combines starting up. Um, we have the NFL uh, franchise tag deadline that is coming up on March 7th, so that will be on Tuesday of this week. Um, that is the deadline for teams to start uh, or to conclude um, putting placing the franchise tag on players. So, uh, as we talked about that last episode. We've already got some movement on those fronts, and we will dig into that to start off the show. Um, then we will continue our series we've been doing, like I said, um, in the intro on our quarterbacks around the NFL. Um, it was another great week in sports, a lot of really good NBA action, a lot of really good NBA games. Kevin Durant made his debut for the Phoenix Suns and looked like he looked, looked like he's been there for a long time. Um, so I'm that, that, that's going about as smoothly as I, I figured it would. Um, I got a twenty-one to twenty-one to one or twenty-one to one on uh, the Suns before that trade was happening on them to win the NBA title. When I heard some rumors and some murmurs that it was probably going to happen, and the Suns were pushing for it, so that's awesome. Um, so hopefully we can get some more of those bets going forward here on the podcast. If you guys are not following the podcast yet uh, or subscribed, you can do that on any platform that you get your podcast. I would appreciate if you rate, reviewed, and subscribed. Um, and I would also appreciate it if you spread the word about Nonstop BS. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Nonstop BS Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Lynchide Cole. 
Um, I post a lot of my bets on there. As I've said already, I, um, I'm going to give out quite a few bets on the show, um, but I'm also going to be posting even more on Twitter. Twitter is going to be the be- one of the best places you can look at my bets. Another great place you can look at my bets is if you download the Action Network app, the Action app, um, and you follow me at Cole underscore Lynchide. Um, all my bets are recorded on there, and you can go and look back at any of my bets that I make. There will probably be more than what I put on the show, obviously, um, as I just said. So um, those are other good ways to interact with me, to follow me, follow along with me. Um, I've been pretty hot this week. Not that that matters, but it's been pretty great. So uh, hopefully we can keep that going forward, and if you want to follow me, um, that'd be great. Um, okay. Also, ooh, another thing I forgot to mention here before we kick it off. I'm doing um, another competition on Twitter. Um, tomorrow I'll be posting it for the Pennzoil 400 at Las Vegas, the Cup Series race here coming up at, at 2.30 Central Time on Sunday. Um, I've been trying to give away um, free cash for anybody who's willing to rate uh, and to review and subscribe to the podcast and send me proof of that. Uh, and pick an outright winner, winner for the um, for the NASCAR race uh, for the upcoming weekend. And I'm doing this each week. This week, the prize will be $30. Um, completely free. All you have to do is, again, follow me on Twitter, retweet the post, subscribe, um, and uh, review the podcast. Send me proof of that. And then pick your outright winner. The first person, I want to be clear about this for especially people listening to the podcast, the first person to do all those things, send them to me, and pick the outright winner. So you have to be the first person to do that. Uh, they will win the cash prize. So um, it's a fun thing. Hopefully you guys are look forward to interacting with that on Twitter. Anybody's free to do it, and uh, hopefully you win. Okay, let's start off here, as I said, with the franchise tags in the NFL. Um, so we have some, like I said, some movement with franchise tags. Uh, when we recorded on, on Wednesday, um, Darren Payne was the only one who had uh, come to an agreement on with a franchise tag, or come to an agreement, had been, had, had a, a franchise tag placed on him uh, to that point. And that actually technically is still true, although there are two players now that have been named, uh, or that the teams have said they are um, expecting to, or that it's been reported that, they, that teams are expected to place the franchise tag on them. So, We'll start off with the Raiders, who announced um, Tom Palacero reported that the Raiders plan to uh, place the franchise tag on Josh Jacobs if they do not, if they can't come to terms on a long-term deal with Josh Jacobs. Um, that really should be not much of a surprise. Um, that's one that I, I didn't necessarily think that they were going to um, end up doing anything with Josh Jacobs. I, I mean, I kind of thought they were going to come to a deal, terms on a deal with him. But but I also would not have been surprised if they would have let him walk. I understand he had a career year this year, um, but Josh Jacobs also has been kind of underwhelming for being a first-round draft pick as a running back. Um, and running backs get overpaid, and the Raiders really aren't in a position right now to want to overpay for a running back when they're trying to rebuild their whole offense. So that one, the more I thought about it once I saw the news, didn't really surprise me that much, though, because this might be the better decision than either of the two options that I just laid out anyways. Um, Josh Jacobs, like I said, he coming off of a career year last year, rushed for over 1,800 yards um, on the ground, and was just, I mean, the, 
the horse of this offense for the Raiders. And it was an underwhelming season, but Josh Jacobs was not part of that. Uh, the Raiders have a lot of cap space coming into this offseason as they got rid of the Derek Carr contract. We said um, it, it saved them just under $30 million against the cap. And the franchise tag for Jacobs is only $10 million, which is, um, you know, a lot for a running back, but it's only for one season. And I think the, and the Raiders, with all their cap space this year, they can definitely afford it. And let's see if Josh Jacobs can do this again, you know. I mean, like I said, he's been, before this season, he was pretty underwhelming. And it what doesn't make sense is the Raiders have had a pretty good offensive line every single year that Jacobs has been there up until this last season. And then Josh Jacobs breaks out, which is why he's one of the most confusing players, um, I feel like, that I've, that I've, one of the most confusing running backs that I've seen uh, in the NFL throughout the a career a first four three four years of a, of a career um yeah so Jacobs you know I think giving him a long-term deal right now would be super questionable um and I'm sorry to correct myself here he had 1600 1653 yards on the ground 12 rushing touchdowns um but yeah still just I mean uh, before this season just to give a, a layout of what I'm talking about Jacobs through the first four years of his career, 1150 on the ground, uh, 1065, 872, and then this year 1653. Um, he had, he had averaged 4.8, 3.9, and 4.0 yards per carry in those three seasons. Last season he averaged just under five yards per carry. So, uh, you know, a complete oh, yards from scrimmage is another one that's just actually outrageous. 1,300, 1,300, 1,200, 2,053 yards last year from scrimmage for Jacobs. So, um, you know, if he can do this again, he might be worthy of a long-term contract. He might be breaking out into one of the best running backs in the NFL, but I just don't trust it after one year. And to pay a decent amount for a running back is already questionable as can be, uh, or, or as is. But, you know, to do it on for someone who's done it for one season in a, in a weird year for that team, I, I just think it'd be a massive mistake. So Raiders probably making the right decision by placing the franchise tag on Josh Jacobs. Okay, the next one is Evan Ingram, who also, um, it was reported that Evan Ingram, the Jaguars are expected to place franchise tag on tight end Evan Ingram if they can't come to a deal, um, which it's sounding like they're farther away than Jacobs and uh, the Raiders are. Um, but, you know, this one makes perfect sense. And, uh, I honestly, I didn't know if, if the Jaguars were just going to let it be kind of, as they have a lot of contracts they're trying to save money for, and they were going to let Ingram walk. Ingram had a career year last year with 73 catches, 766 yards and four touchdowns for the Jaguars. Um, and a three game stretch at the end of the season when the Jaguars were in, I mean, must win situations. Uh, Ingram had 26 catches for 337 yards and two touchdowns in those three games straight. Um, so, I mean, Ingram really took a major step forward and was a, a key cog in Trevor Lawrence's second half surge of the season and the Jaguars second half surge of the season. He was between him and Christian Kirk. Um, they were the, the main pieces that Trevor Lawrence you utilized, um, throughout his, uh, really good second half of the season. So, um, it doesn't surprise me they're placing the tag on him. It is kind of expensive, but you know, this is kind of what the tag is used for and, you know, when you look at the per year money for these players, I mean, Evan Ingram's not a top five tight end in the NFL. I, no matter what he did last year, he's not. 
Um, and, and he's going to be getting that money for one season, but it's also, this is one season, you know, they th- this is the reason they do it. They want them to do it again before they give them long three, four year deals, uh, with a ton of guaranteed money. Um, they want to see him do it for one more year. So they're just going to kind of take a loss in the short term so that they possibly will save money in the long term. Um, and that's kind of the risk you take with the franchise tag. But you know, these players like, you know, both these guys, I said, Josh Jacobs, Evan Ingram, one year where they were fantastic. Um, this is kind of what, this is exactly what the franchise tag is there for. So no surprises there. No other movement on any other teams with the franchise tag yet. No news. Um, really anticipating what's going on with Lamar. Seems like we're getting more and more rumors that Lamar is probably going to be traded, which I still find hard to believe. Uh, I don't think I'll really believe that one until I see it <laughs> like actually officially happen which was kind of the same way with the Russell Wilson last year. Um, but, you know, Lamar's even more shocking, I feel like, just because of the stage of his career that he's in. He's still under 26 years old. Um, and for a quarterback, that elite to get traded. Like like we've talked about, I just, I'm I'm not going to believe it until I see it. But um, we, will, we will see in the upcoming days what's going to happen and if Lamar is going to actually hit free agency or not, I guess. So, um, okay, let's move on to our next section here which is finishing up our series of predicting quarterback the starting quarterbacks for every team in the NFL heading into the season um it's going to be kind of fun to track and see how many of these I got right and how many I got wrong um you know obviously besides the obvious ones but our last two divisions that we haven't done yet are the NFC East and the NFC North so we're going to start off today with the NFC East and um, we're going to start off with the Washington Commanders, which is definitely the most interesting team in this division. So start it off with a bang. Okay, so the Commanders right now, um, currently on their roster, they only have 2022 fifth-round pick Sam Howell. Um, Ron Rivera has already stated and the team have stated that they plan on um, Sam Howell being the starting quarterback going into the season. I don't think that really means that much. I don't think it means that that they're locked into that decision. I just think right now they're saying they're comfortable with Sam Howell being their starting quarterback. Um, Howell played in week 18 last year and looked really good against the Cowboys in a, in a win for the commanders. Um, but at the same time, this is a team with a very good overall roster. If the defense stays healthy, they have a chance to make a push with competent quarterback play. Um, and, and I don't know if you can really put that on a fifth round pick at this stage of the Commanders. I mean, the Commanders have a ton of talent on defense and a lot of them on rookie deals or players like Darren Payne, um, who they just franchise tag that they're trying to see what they really have in him. I mean, this is a team that is not in position to be messing around at the quarterback position. This is this is one of the most talented teams in the NFL, and not a lot of people know it because over the last few years, the quarterback position has held them back. Consistency at the quarterback position has held them back. Um, you know, along with injuries on defense, obviously, but uh, the they're, they're, the biggest thing that's held Washington back for the last half a decade has been the quarterback position. Um, they need to be more aggressive with the position for the first time since letting Kirk Cousins walk in free agency. Um, to me, okay, so we've gone through a lot of free agent quarterbacks and where they'll go. We already know, um, you know, in my in my in my mind, where Aaron Rodgers is going to end up. We know where Derek Carr is going to end up. Um, we've taken a lot of the main, the key cogs, the main guys off the board. Um, and I, and I honestly, I don't think the, the commanders have much of a shot with their ownership issues and stuff anyways at those guys. 
But there is a guy that I think that makes perfect sense for the Commanders. I thought it made perfect sense for them last year as well. Um, and if they really mean what they're saying about Sam Howell, I think he's the perfect bridge quarterback to allow them to develop Sam Howell more um, with the cap with the cap space. That the, that's another thing for the Commanders. Their current cap space right now is $11 million. Um, I'm projecting it to be around $35 million when they're done restructuring contracts and releasing players. But either way, that's not a ton to work with when you're tr- still looking for a quarterback to bring in in free agency. Jimmy Garoppolo is this guy. Jimmy Garoppolo makes perfect sense. Um, he's been proven that he can win in a situation with a lot of talent, um, a well-coached team, and a great and he's a great veteran presence for a locker room looking for a leader. Um, with the limited cap space, I mean, Garoppolo makes perfect sense because he'll probably be cheaper than any other option that they possibly could get, and that includes all the guys that I just said, um, along with Lamar Jackson, if they were ever going to be in the sweepstakes for Lamar. Jimmy Garoppolo just makes way too much sense. I mean, if the, the, if the, there is not a better quarterback for them to go get than Jimmy Garoppolo if they are actually going to try to develop Sam Howell. Sam Howell is not going to be ready to start. Sam Howell is not um, a guy that you can put on your team and get your locker room to believe this is going to be the guy that leads us to the Super Bowl this year. I mean, Washington is way closer than most people believe to having a shot at getting to the Super Bowl, especially in the NFC. So I, I just, Jimmy Garoppolo makes so much sense going to Washington. We know he's not going back to San Francisco. Um, they're they're going to have a decision to make between Lance and Purdy, assuming he, both of them are healthy. So um, Garoppolo to Washington is my prediction. Okay, next up is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, obviously, Dak Prescott's been their quarterback for the last uh, seven seasons, um, and that's not going to change this year. He has a ton of dead cap. Uh, money if they were to try to trade release anything like that it's not going to happen um you know a lot of people talk about it every year he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys I mean it you know obviously he's going to be under scrutiny when he doesn't play well in the playoffs which he consistently does so it's a big year for Dak um and he's going to be on a team that is probably way less talented on both sides of the football than they were last year uh, Cowboys unrestricted free agents Dalton Schultz, Tony Pollard, along with multiple starters on defense. And twenty and 2022 was not Dak's best year. It was his second worst passer rating of his career. He threw the most interceptions he has ever thrown in his career, and that includes him. And and that is along with him only playing in 12 of the 17 games um, last season with with his injury that he had um, in the beginning of the year. Listen, I mean, if Dak Prescott um, this season doesn't take a massive step forward and and kind of have one of those years, like he's had a couple times through his career where he looks like a guy that is someone that you can not only, you know, use in an offense that has a lot of talent and and, and get to 13-4 and four or whatever and, and make the playoffs, but... but there's been a couple seasons in Dak's career where he's looked like a guy where it's like, man, he can be that it factor. He can be that piece. It hasn't happened very often, but and it hasn't happened lately in the last couple seasons. But but there were a couple seasons early on where people really thought that, and a lot of people thought this was you know one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, Dak Dak's really got to be take a massive step forward and become that leader. Um, he's got to be way more consistent. He can't be as sloppy with the football as he was last year. I think it's going to be interesting to see if he's able to do that. And with a roster that is less talented, it'd be pretty impressive if he did. 
Um, otherwise, Dak will have one more year in his contract after this season, and I could see the Cowboys possibly flirting um, with other options going into next offseason if it's more of the same for Dak Prescott or if he even takes a step back due to an offense that is has a lot less talent on it. Uh, you're going to have CeeDee Lamb. You're going to have Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know if Ezekiel Elliott is a positive that you're going to have him back, but you're going to have those two guys. We'll see what Dak can do um, and if they bring back some of these other guys like Dalton Schultz. Okay, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Jalen Hurts, of course, will be entering his third year or his fourth year, I'm, I believe, I'm sorry, on his rookie contract. Um, listen, Jalen Hurts is going to be paid in the $50 million range this offseason. It's going to happen before the season starts. Um, Jalen Hurts probably had the biggest leap from year two to year three from a quarterback since Josh Allen. And when I say since Josh Allen, that was pretty recently. Um, but there are very few that have had even a similar leap in NFL history um, from year two to year three, as Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen did. Uh, Jalen probably would have been the NFL MVP had he not gotten hurt at the end of the season. Um, he has turned the narrative from him being a piece of a Super Bowl roster to him being the piece of the Eagles that they will build around going forward. Um, you know, if if you if you didn't watch a lot of Jalen Hurts in the in this Eagles team throughout the beginning of the season, or if you said that it's only because of the competition that he was going against, or or whatever the excuses were for Jalen Hurts a lot through the season, um, you know, you could tell pretty early on that Jalen Hurts had taken a major step forward. Uh, this season from last season and a lot of people just did not believe it when they saw it and it took a lot for them I mean if if you didn't watch this guy in the Super Bowl or if you if after watching this guy in the Super Bowl you don't understand what Jalen Hurts is now you don't you don't know how to assess quarterbacks that's it's plain and simple I mean um, Jalen Hurts is a fantastic quarterback and I, I don't I don't think outside of, you know, the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrows, Justin Herberts, I don't think there's a better young quarterback in the NFL or maybe even quarterback flat out in the NFL than Jalen Hurts that I'd want to be paying that kind of money to. So uh, the crazy part is Jalen Hurts still has room to grow with his accuracy. I'm really intrigued and, and interested to see how much better Jalen Hurts can get because I, I do think, man, this guy... I didn't have a lot of faith in him going into this last season, but after the first two, three games, I was like, man, that is a different quarterback. That is a completely different player than I watched last season, and I'm interested to see if he can do it again this year. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see what Jalen Hurts does. Um, and then we can finish up here with the New York Giants in the NFC East. Daniel Jones. Um, Daniel Jones another one we're talking about with a franchise tag. Four days left, uh, and still no peeps about is Daniel Jones going to get this tag or not? Is it going to be Saquon Barkley? Um, what what are the Giants going to do? Uh, Jones had his best season of his career this last year in Brian Dayball's offense, but he still, to me, um, did not prove that he is a franchise quarterback. Um, you know, Daniel Jones, yes, he had a good year, but Dayball built an offense around Jones that really amplified what he does best. It limited his pat, limited his passing, and built and built the offense around Jones's ability to make plays with his legs to assist the run game. I mean, no, nobody's kidding anyone. the The Giants' offense ran around Saquon Barkley last year, and Daniel Jones played really good. Um, he did exactly what he needed to do for this team to be as successful as they could. 
Um, but that being said, that doesn't mean that Daniel Jones, just because he, you know, oh, this team, just because this team overperformed as a whole, does not mean that Daniel Jones, um, without Daniel Jones, they wouldn't have done very similar, if not the same. Um, which I 100% believe. You look at Daniel Jones' stats from this year. Um, he only threw for 3,205 yards, which was the most he's ever thrown for in his career. Um, and he threw for 15 touchdowns, only five interceptions, which was a big step. I mean, Daniel Jones has thrown for less interceptions every single year of his NFL career to this point. Um, but at the same time, is that really someone that you want to be giving $35, $40 million to? Like he, like it's sounding like he's asking for. D- Daniel Jones has yet to throw for 3,500 passing yards in 2022 in his NFL career. I mean, I mean, this isn't this isn't thirty years ago. I get that he he's got a lot of ability on the ground as well, but man, I mean, people are questioning if Lamar is going to get a contract, and 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 because of his passing ability and because he runs the ball a lot and relies on that. I mean, Daniel Jones hasn't he hasn't thrown for three hundred or for three thousand yards in his career, um, where where he's been efficient enough for the Giants to win football games, and. I just, I, you know, I think Daniel Jones has a higher ceiling than most people realized when he was drafted because a lot of people thought he was going to be a complete bust, especially after his second year in the league um, when he was not good. Uh, but at the same time, I don't understand how anyone is wanting to talk themselves into trying to pay Daniel Jones. I think the Giants would honestly, at this point, um, if that's going to be the money that we're talking about, let him walk to free agency and and figure out another option in in at the quarterback position. I I honestly don't think you can go wrong unless you pay Daniel Jones a ton of money this offseason. If you're the if you're the New York Giants. I mean, you overperformed massively last year. Let's start to rebuild this thing. Let's start to find the next guy. Um if you want to give Daniel Jones one more year on the tag, so be it. You know, if that if that's what they want to do, I, I don't think there's really a problem with that as well. But, man, I think either that or you let him completely walk because I don't think anybody's giving Daniel Jones that kind of money. And if they do, I think it's going to be a massive mistake. Okay, we will move on to the NFC North where we'll start with the Chicago Bears. Bears, super, super interesting quarterback conundrum that they find themselves in because they ended up with the number one overall pick in the draft um you know will the bears trade the number one overall pick or will they maybe trade justin fields that's been the question we've been asking all offseason maybe the answer should be justin fields now hear me out on this because i know that probably triggers a lot of bears fans who love justin fields i mean he was the only reason that team was even semi-interesting to watch last year but if you can get a first-round pick for a guy who has shown a lot of potential but no proof of being a franchise quarterback, and when I say quarterback, I mean throwing the football, that may be the most valuable move as you can acquire a more typical prototype, prototype uh, prototypical quarterback at number one overall with Bryce Young. You would also be able to assure five more years of rookie quarterback money. Okay, If they keep fields, they will be entering year three with currently the worst overall roster in the NFL. Usually, if everything goes according to plan, NFL rosters take about, you know, give or take two years to build once hitting the floor. Um, the Bears have hit the floor. So it's going to be about two more years 
if they do everything right in the draft, if they do everything right in free agency, if they hit on a lot of these players and these moves they'd have to make, okay? By that time, Justin Fields will be making 50 to $60 million a year if he pans out into what Bears fans are expecting him to be. Okay, so, you know, it nothing that the Bears have done with this, when, whether you're talking about the general manager, the, the head coach, the quarterbacks, nothing has made any sort of sense when you're lining up how these moves should go. You know, you, you can go all the way back to... Um, to 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 uh, when the Bears ended up um, with John Fox firing John Fox, so John Fox's last year, they the Bears draft trade up and draft Mitch Trubisky second overall. After one season, they fire John Fox. Then they bring in Matt Nagy. Okay, so Matt Nagy then is stuck with Mitch Trubisky, quarterback that he didn't draft uh, on the second year of his co- rookie contract. Okay, try to figure it out with Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. You got to come in here and you got to you got to figure it out with Mitch Trubisky. Okay, so then Nagy, after three years, takes Mitch Trubisky to the playoffs, um, and and it obviously doesn't pan out because Mitch Trubisky's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. So then, fourth year as a co- as coach of the the Bears, Nagy's been a good coach. He's allowed finally to move off Trubisky. They're not going to re-sign him. He's finally allowed to get his guy, Justin Fields. Well, after one year of a rookie quarterback and, and, and complete turnover on the roster, Matt Nagy's fired as head coach of the Bears. Okay, so now you're running yourself into the same situation two times in a row. Makes absolutely no sense. So then they bring Eberflus in, right? So now Eberflus has, has Justin Fields and a roster that he has to completely tear apart, but the problem is Fields is already on the second year of his rookie rookie quarterback contract. Right, like... If, if you want to get the best use out of your rookie quarterback and you want him to grow as fast as you possibly can, you do what the Texans are doing. You completely tear down the team, completely rebuild the team, clear all your cap space so you have a ton of money that you're able to spend. And then after you do that, after you're ready to spend all the money, after you've completely broken everything down, then you draft your rookie quarterback. Then when you have a top three, two pick, like this season, you draft your rookie quarterback. Because then you're going to build a team around that player, and by the time that he's in his third season and he's starting to progress to the the the, the where you want him to get to, um, by that time you're going to have a good team around him and you're still going to have two more years that you don't have to pay him. You're still going to be able to pay more players to come in. Like, that's, that's the situation the Eagles found themselves in this year. You know, that's the situation that the Ravens were in with Lamar uh, two seasons ago. Um, you know, there's countless examples. Josh Allen, you know, Joe Burrow this year. That That's how you do it. You don't do it like the Bears are doing it, where now they're going to be trying to buy players when they also are trying to buy Justin Fields, if, if they keep Justin Fields. So... All, all that being said, I still believe the Bears are going to stick with Fields, um, and I think Justin Fields will be their starting quarterback and their franchise guy going forward, and that's solely due to the insane athletic ability that he's shown, and he's also been, from everything that they that they report around Chicago, um, he's been a fantastic leader and has great leadership skills. So, uh, you know, the players love Justin Fields. Um, he seems like a guy that just is 
somebody that motivates and somebody that that you want to play for. I mean, the Bears kept fighting all season long, and, and the front office kept trading every single player um, on their starting roster, especially on defense, kept trading them away. So, you know, this team had a lot of fight and a lot of heart, and Fields never stopped um, giving everything that he had to the team. So I, I do think that they love Justin Fields. Chicago loves Justin Fields, and I, I don't think they're going to end up moving off Justin Fields. I, I, and I still think he has a chance to gr- grow into something. I just think the Bears have done this whole thing backwards. So that's my opinion on all that. Okay, long-winded on the Bears a little bit, but it's an interesting situation. We might as well spend more time on the ones that are more fun and have a lot more um, – have a lot more they're a lot more in depth I guess um, but let's move on to the Lions um, Jared Goff he has two more years on his contract uh, had one of the best two seasons that probably of his career last year with the Lions as they went nine and eight and almost got into the playoffs Goff has rebounded his career from his two years in Detroit um, after kind of being a sell-off and just a, a, a piece just a, a pawn basically in, in the trade with staff, um, sending Stafford to the Rams. Uh, but Goff has established himself with multiple teams now. As a, as a quarterback, you can win with if you have a fantastic roster, but someone who has a low floor if if the room just isn't filled with a lot of talent. Um, with two years, like I said, on his contract left, um, but coming off of one of the best seasons of his career with the Young Lions offense, Goff will for sure get a chance to progress with the unit. I definitely believe that Goff is going to have be, be have the opportunity to finish out this contract. I think this is a huge year for Jared Goff. He's going to be 29 this year. Um, so he's, I mean, Jared Goff is a lot younger than I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people think like Jared Goff is the same age as, as like a, a Kirk Cousins or like a Ryan Tannehill in, in his mid, mid to low thirties, you know, now Jared Goff's 28 years old right now. He's going to be 29 this coming season. Um, he's still got a lot of football left in him. And if he, and, Heck, he still might be building on his. Um, he, he still might not be completely maxed out on what Jared Goff can do, and he may not have been with the Rams. Um, that sounds silly to say because he had Sean McVay, but at the same time, you know he's still a young player, and 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 uh, and he's showing. I mean, he's been a lot more impressive than I thought he was going to do since leaving Sean McVay in Detroit with uh, with Dan Campbell. So, you know, I think this season, if Jared Goff can really. Um, can really take the Lions offense to another level and like a lot of people are expecting them to and I get they have a ton of talent but if, if he can take this offense and turn them into a top five offense in the NFL let's say and take this team in the playoffs and win at least a playoff game I think you could see the Lions trying to roll with Jared Goff as their long-term quarterback and give him a deal a three four year deal worth worth 35 40 million dollars um, I could definitely see it happening because like I said, I mean, he's kind of the perfect quarterback for this team. He's he's someone that, you know, they're, they're trying to run the ball. They have a really good offensive line. Jared Goff needs a really good offensive line. He's not a very mobile quarterback. Um, but they, they try to run the ball a lot. Okay, so they have DeAndre Swift and, and Jamal Williams, a lot of really good pieces on the offense to run the ball. Uh, they also have some really good receivers, especially with Jamison Williams coming on last season as a rookie. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is one of the easiest young wide receivers to target in the NFL, one of the best route runners in the NFL, a great possession receiver, basically the next Keenan Allen, I believe. Um, you know, you've got, a, like, I, like I said, they've got a lot of pieces to make an, this offense super easy to run. And Jared Goff, in an offense like that, he is not going to ruin the offense. He's not going to ruin football games. 
He exactly what he did last year. He didn't do anything outrageously spectacular, but man, there was like literally never a time where you would see Jared Goff throwing a dumb pass to ruin a football game. And that's why the Lions were really competitive last year, even with a terrible defense. So um, I see I see this being a big year for Goff to kind of do the same thing and maybe build on it a little bit with, with the whole team overall, the offense overall, and see where the Lions get. And if Goff can win a playoff game, I think he's definitely um, going to get a second contract with Detroit, which is crazy to say based on how that trade went down. But, man, he's, he's really rebounded his career. So impressive stuff. Jared Goff will be the Lions quarterback for sure this year. Okay, I already traded away. We got two teams left here. I already traded away Aaron Rodgers, though, for the Packers to the uh, New York Jets. So where does that leave Green Bay, who's probably the most interesting team in this division? Um, Them are the Bears, but I would say it's probably Green Bay. I think Green Bay is going to go with Jordan Love. It seems insane that they're this far into the Jordan Love project, and yet we haven't seen a down from him heading into year four. But it sounds like, and it seems like, they still have hope that he, and they still feel like he can be a franchise quarterback, and that it's kind of just that Aaron Rodgers has been so good. It's what it seems like. I mean, you would think, like, kind of like with the Bears, like I said, that if Jordan Love, if you draft Jordan Love with a first-round pick, you have four years where he's making nothing. Then you have a fifth year where he's going to make a little more, but still not make a lot. Well, you're now, you now have exhausted three of those years by him just sitting on the bench behind Rodgers. Now he's going to have one year. If you do get rid of Rodgers, he's going to have one year for you to spend a lot of money, which Green Bay does have a good roster. At least they have that going for them already. A lot of really good young pieces, especially on defense. Um, but you now have one year basically with Jordan Love with no experience outside of coming in for one game in, in, in the NFL to this point in a regular season football game. Um, you know, good luck to him. But, I mean, Green Bay does have a super talented roster, and if they add another receiver, though, at least they're putting him in a good position. So, you know, Green Bay to me, I think if, if, they, if they go down this path, which I'm predicting, with as Jordan Love's going to be our guy. That this, it's Jordan Love time, right, in, in Green Bay. If they go down this road, um, at least, like I said, they have a really, really talented roster. And I think if Jordan Love is that guy, and if he comes in and he's been learning and he's showing a lot more in practice than what what people have reported over the last three years, he's going to have a shot to have a really good season. The NFC North's not the most difficult division to win, um, and, and I... I I guess I can see this working out, but man, it's it's they're really threading the needle. I guess is all I'm trying to say um, with waiting so long on Jordan Love and to get and getting rid of Aaron Rodgers. Um, if it was up to me last season, I would have traded Jordan Love for whatever you could have. Um, I, I I think I think they've already wasted enough time to where if Jordan Love does pan out, they have not. They didn't. They didn't use. They didn't utilize any benefits of having a rookie quarterback and a rookie quarterback contract. Um, so that's where the Packers stand, but I do believe it's going to finally be Jordan Love time in, in Green Bay. All right, finishing up with the Minnesota Vikings, and Kirk Cousins last year um, was fantastic for the Vikings. Cousins with Jefferson were the two most important pieces for a 
talent-laden team to find their way to 11 straight one-score game wins and produce a 13-4 and um, record for the team. Cousins enters the final year of his contract, and he will be age 35 once the season begins this year in 2023. Um, Minnesota, in their current cap and draft position, can't afford to not fully invest in one more year of Cousins at least. The offense is super talented, and if they if they can successfully revamp their defense, Cousins will be even more successful in the second year of a Kevin O'Connell offense, which I fully believe um, that he will. Um, so, you know, the biggest question for the Vikings is what? how long do they see this going with Kirk Cousins? Because there's already been a report this week that they're not going to give Kirk Cousins another simple one-year extension like they did last year um, coming into coming into O'Connell's um, first year as head coach and, and Kwesi Dofomensa's first year as GM. Um, they're not doing that again. So does that mean that they want a long-term deal with Cousins or does that mean they want to ride this last year out and then they want to find a young quarterback um, with Cousins? You know, obviously after that, he's going to be 30, age 36 heading into next season when he'd be an unrestricted free agent. I, I really honestly feel like this could go either way. I think if if Kirk Cousins would have struggled last year um, more and if he, if the Vikings wouldn't have won 13 games, basically on the back of Cousins and Jefferson, um, you could throw Hawkinson and the, off, and the offensive line in there too. But, but mo- mainly, obviously, Cousins and Jefferson. I think you'd probably see Kirk um, have to, in his position, have to just play this last year out and see what happens at, at his at his age. But I think it's definitely possible that Kevin O'Connell wants Kirk Cousins enough and it feels like very similar to what you've heard um, with Kyle Shanahan and how much he likes Kirk Cousins. He feels like he Kirk Cousins is someone who is so talented that he can mold him into, um, with the right pieces around him, he can mold him into a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. I, I really wonder if Kevin O'Connell says to himself, you know, if we can structure a contract in a way to benefit this team, um, can, can we can we add some more pieces, revamp this defense, bring in some younger players, you know, get some more draft stock because the Vikings have traded away quite a bit of their draft draft picks coming into the season. So, so get some more over this year and next year. Can we really actually build something here at the end of Cousins' career and should we give it a few more years um, with Cousins to figure that out. I, I'm kind of in between on the decision, to be honest with you. Um, I wouldn't hate either thing that they do. I just think the most important thing um, with Kirk Cousins right now is that he needs, he 100% needs to have good protection. So if shoring up the offensive line, I think needs to be priority number one. Um, the interior offensive line was very shaky last year. A lot of that had to do with injuries. But protection for Kirk Cousins will go a long way. And outside of that, I think that he will be super successful. And I, like I said, even more successful in year two than he was in year one in Kevin O'Connell's offense. Um, that's typically how Kirk's been throughout his career anyways. The second year in an offense, he's been even better. So looking forward to that as a Vikings fan, um, if that does come true. But it is it is going to be really telling, I think, of what direction Minnesota is going to go with the quarterback position based on if they extend Kirk or not. Um, there's been murmurs of possibilities of him getting traded. I don't see that happening. I think they want one more year with Kirk. I don't think they would have traded for TJ Hawkinson. 
um, if they thought they were going to end up trading Kirk Cousins and restarting at the quarterback position this coming season. I don't think that makes any sort of sense. So, um, you know, to be determined, of course, on if he gets the extension or not, but it's going to be really telling on what direction they see the franchise going in um, and what direction they want to move the franchise in based on what they do with the Kirk Cousins extension or no extension this offseason. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break, and we will be back with our best bets in the NBA, XFL, and the Cup Series race heading into the weekend here on Nonstop BS. All right, we're back here, and we've got some best bets coming up here for the weekend in sports, and we've got some. In, we've got one in, 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 in the NBA. Oh my goodness, we've got one in the NBA. Is what I was trying to say. We've got one for the XFL this weekend, and we've got some quite a few actually for the Penzo L 400. I'm going to try to be quick here. Didn't realize how much I was rambling on in the first part. So bear with me as I give you out the best bets. You can also, like I said, in the beginning of the episode, follow me on Twitter at Cole underscore or at Lynch at Cole. Sorry about that. Or follow me in the action app um, at Cole underscore Lynch um, And you can follow more of my bets and all of these bets that I give out on the show. And another thing that I did not say, I believe in the beginning of the episode when I mention that is that I do keep track and keep track for you guys of my record so you can kind of see how I'm doing, if I'm doing good, if I'm doing bad in certain sports. Um, all my records are posted either on the Action app or on Twitter. Um, so I'm not really going to be giving out. I'll talk about some bets, you know, or whatever on the Tuesday episodes or the Wednesday episodes um, from the weekend prior if they won or lost or any any interesting things that happened. But I'm not going to be giving out records on the show. I'm not going to be wasting time doing that. You can check my Twitter or check the Action app uh, to see my record so if, if you're interested in that. Okay, let's start off with the one XFL bet that we have coming into the weekend, the Guardians at the Renegades. Um, that's the game that in the XFL that's coming up, I believe, on Saturday night. Uh, we've got one game on Saturday evening um, along with three games at the 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and 7 o'clock slates uh, central time um, in the XFL on Sunday. So, um, But like I said, this one is the one. Nope, I'm sorry about that. This is the one at 3 o'clock central time on um, on Sunday. Noon, 3 o'clock, 7 o'clock. I don't know if I said that right even. So the let's just start off by running it down. 6 o'clock central on, on Saturday, so tonight, um, if you're listening to this on Saturday. The Sea Dragons at the Vipers. Um, noon on Sunday, the Battlehawks at the Defenders. Um, Sunday at 3 o'clock, the Guardians at the Renegades. And then the Sunday night game um, at 7 o'clock Central Time is the San Antonio Brahmas at the Roughnecks. So the bet that we have is on the Guardians at... Um, the Orlando Guardians at the Arlington Renegades at 3 p.m. on Sunday. Um, listen, this game right now, the line is Arlington Renegades are an eight and a half point favorite, juiced um, to where actually I think I believe it's a nine at some books even. No, it's not. It's just a juiced eight and a half at books. So this number's moved actually. Now that I'm looking at it, it's moved at a, a lot of books since I've even started the podcast. Um, but they're eight and a half point favorites over the Guardians. I mean, I understand the Guardians have yet to stay within 18 points of an opponent as they've lost both of their first two games, 30-12 to 12 and 33-12. to 12. But this league is being overreacted to by the market so drastically with these rosters being brand new. Um, I, I just think it's kind of ridiculous that we have any sort of um, 
more than a touchdown favorite in the XFL at this point, two weeks into a brand new league, uh, basically, with these teams being all, like I said, brand new. Um, I'll take any team, basically, at this point as an eight-and-a-half-point uh, underdog in the XFL. No team deserves to be favored by more than a touchdown, in my mind, two weeks into the league. Um, also, Arlington, in their first two games, they've been prone to terrible halves of football um, at, at certain points. So, I mean, Arlington has been overall a pretty decent team. They've been competitive in every game, but they also haven't had a game where they've ran away at any point or where they've looked dominant at any point. Um, I think they have probably the best coach in the XFL in Bob Stoops, but at the same time, um, I just think eight and a half points is a pretty ridiculous line. If you're talking about what's more likely, what's just flat out more likely that the Guardians lose by eight and a half or less, or that Arlington wins by nine or more? <laughs> I mean, I I just don't understand how it's not the Guardians lose by eight and a half or less. Eight and a half or less. They have to keep it with an eight. That just seems a little bit outrageous to me. So I'm going to be taking the Guardians plus eight and a half, minus one ten. Um, you can get set that still. It looks like at three different books in Illinois where I'm located. Um, and I'm going to be putting a unit on that one. So um, moving on, moving on over to the NBA. Um, I've got one bet for tomorrow night. I'll have plenty more, by the way, on uh, especially for the NBA. I always give out a lot of NBA bets on Twitter that I have. Um, but I've got one for tomorrow night so far, so Saturday night, whenever you're listening to this. And it's for the ABC game, the um, Philadelphia 76ers at the Milwaukee Bucks, 7.30 Central Time. Um, listen, the Sixers are a five-and-a-half-point dog right now on the road at, at Milwaukee. But the Bucks have been, co- and, and I understand, the Bucks have been covering at an insane clip, um, especially because they're already the second or third most respected team in the NBA, and they're 32-17 and 17, um, as a favorite against the spread. That's insane. That's insane. Um, but the 76ers have finally gotten healthy, and they're not being shown the normal respect they are in this game, in a game between them and the Bucks. Um, you know, basically what this market's saying right now is that they're three, they're, there's a three-point difference between these two teams as they're currently constructed with the injuries they currently have, which is none besides a minor injury for Dwayne Dedman for the Sixers. Um but on a neutral, that there's a three-point difference between these teams, and I find that hard to believe. I think the 76ers are kind of being disrespected by the market right now. I think they're a lot closer to the Bucks and Celtics than than the market says that they are. I think there's a difference, but I don't think they're three. There's a three-point difference between these two teams when they're both fully healthy. And right now, we have no injuries in in this game besides, like I said, the Dwayne Dedman uh, injury. But um, I mean, when they played earlier in the season, the first matchup, both games were at Philadelphia. But the um, the Sixers were a four point favorite versus the Bucks. Um, they didn't cover the next time they played again in Philadelphia, which there were injuries in that game. But they were a point and a half dog at home against the Bucks, and they won outright. They won by eight points. So um, you know, if we're looking at that, we're looking at you know individual matchups. We're looking at um, you know what what the lines moved from and to as the season's gone on. It's moved in the Bucks' favor a lot, which makes a lot of sense. But I think it hasn't moved for the Sixers throughout the season as appropriately as it should have. So I like the Sixers plus five and a half. Um, you can get that minus one ten pretty much everywhere right now. Um, but I also think that that line is going to move uh, by probably maybe even by the time you're listening to this podcast. 
Um, pretty much if you can get it at four and a half or better, I like the 76ers in this game. Okay. Moving on to our final best bets of the weekend, and they are in the Pennzoil 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Um, big race coming up on Sunday at 2.30. Again, if you didn't hear me in the beginning of the podcast, doing another competition on, on Twitter. Follow me again at, on Twitter at, at Lynch Eyed Cole um, to see my tweets about that competition and, and uh, the podcast content that we're going to be giving out to, on Saturday on the show um for the show um leading into sunday into the race okay my i have five outright plays for the penzoil 400 and then i have three other bets that i'm going to be giving you guys so we're going to be spending this week i am going to be spending two and a half units on outrights um first one that i'm gonna i'm gonna give you guys the longest ones to the shortest so the the longest odds that i have are quarter unit bets um, both of these are going to be placed on AJ Almendinger and Eric Almirola. AJ Almendinger right now is a hundred to one. Um, AJ Almendinger last year, uh, he raced in the, they, they race at Vegas. If you guys don't know, two times a season last year, the, in the second race at Las Vegas, he finished in the top 10, um, in the 16 car, which he's currently driving now full time in the cup series. Um, and Almendinger also has won this race very recently in the Xfinity series. Um, he's usually very good at this track, even in his older days in the cup series, he was very good, um, at Vegas. So one of his better tracks, um, Almendinger has been competitive to start the season two at Daytona and California. He's been in the top five, um, pretty consistently. So, um, I think Almendinger is another guy that we're going to find some value on if he's going to keep being priced at these insane odds, like he's one of the worst drivers in the cup series. And I just don't think that's true. Um, I, I think that he's not somebody who should be priced, you know, even even probably at forty to one, but him to be a hundred to one, I mean, that's just too insane for me not to bet it. And Eric Almirola is another guy who's had multiple top ten finishes at this track. Um, Almirola has been again really good this season so far. Um, he had a good year last year uh, where he almost made the the Cup Series playoffs. Um, and so, I, you know, this is Eric Almirola's supposedly that right now this is his last season. Um, he pondered retirement coming into the year. I think Eric Almirola is going to be a lot more aggressive than he's been in the past this season. He's 90 to one. I'm also putting a quarter unit on that. Um, he's never won here, but he, like I said, he's been consistently good at this track. So 90 to one, another good bet, I believe on the board right now. Um, we're going back to Brad Keselowski. I mean, finished in the top 10 for us last week, even after spinning out. Um, I think Keselowski is in for a massive season, um, as opposed to last year, like when, when, when you're, when you're talking about how bad Keselowski did last year, how much of a train wreck that season was for him at his first, at his first season in Roush, um, in the number six car, I just think he's probably the most disrespected person, disrespected driver by the betting markets right now. And I think it's going to change pretty quickly here, probably within another two to three races, you're not going to see Brad Kozlowski listed as 50 to one at any track ever again. It's insane. He's way more talented of a, he's way too talented of a driver to be 50 to one, no matter what, um, what car he's in or what, what, what the situation is. I mean, last year I understood it by the end of the year coming into this year with a full off season to revamp and, and reload and him, literally racing really good at both the first two tracks it's insane with a rate with a track that he's won at before uh, finished in the top five multiple times 
Um, it's insane that Brad Keselowski is 50 to one. So half unit on Brad Keselowski at 50 to one half unit on Alex Bowman. Again, we're going back to Alex Bowman. Um, he's 20 to one again. He won at this track at, in this race last season. Um, and then he, also the 48 car, uh, in the other race that he wasn't able to race in ran really well with Noah Gregson in it. He nearly finished in the top 10. Um, and so him at 20 to one right now, I think Alex Bowman is another guy that's kind of undervalued by the market. Um, this one's not probably as much as Kozlowski, but 20 to one still is long for Alex Bowman. I think he should be priced more, more like 16 or 15 to one. Um, so I, I like a half unit on Alex Bowman and then a full unit on a guy who finished in the top three in both races last year. Um, and he's eight to one. He's one of the favorites. He's the third third shortest odds in the uh, uh, in the whole race i'm putting a full unit on ross chastain eight to one um like i said ran amazing here last year uh led for shoot a third of the race uh in one of the races last year and, and didn't and didn't didn't end up winning but finished second um and not only that but ross chastain last week at california had the best race car for a lot of that race and i think he probably did have the best race car overall um, I, I just think Kyle Busch is Kyle Busch and he's the best driver in NASCAR. So Kyle Busch is just going to outrun you every once in a while. I mean, even if you got a better car than him, Kyle Busch is just a better driver than literally anyone. And he might be one of the only ones who only one of the only drivers who's a better, um, driver than Ross Chastain, but Ross Chastain eight to one, um, love that bet. I think Ross Chastain has a really good shot of winning it. I think he may be him or Kyle Busch, but he maybe should be the favorite. I mean, he should he should definitely be closer to seven or six and a half to one than eight to one. Okay, last two bets. We're going really long here. I don't want to get to an hour. Uh, Noah Gregson versus Ty Gibbs. Gregson ran really good here last year in the Cup Series. Gregson's minus 102 against Ty, Ty Gibbs. Uh, I'm going to bet that for one unit. Um, will a driver win two stages or more? I can't believe this price. Minus 128 for no that a driver will win two stages or more, do that for one unit, um, to win one unit. And then Brad Keselowski, top 10, plus 270. You kidding me? Two units on that. That's our biggest bet. Okay, thank you guys again for listening to the show. Um, you can find me on Twitter, as I've said multiple times, at Lynch Ed Cold, the podcast on Twitter at Nonstop BS. Um, please rate, review, subscribe, share with a friend. I would really appreciate that. And make sure you're fo- you're following along tomorrow on Twitter for all the content I'm going to be putting out, watching a lot of sports. Um, and then um, we'll be back on Wednesday for a big recap and more news in the NFL with the trade deadline coming up to a close, uh, the combine coming to the close. We'll see if there's more breaking news from that. And uh, as we near free agency, getting exciting. But have a good weekend, and thank you again for listening to Nonstop BS. personally felt like we had a really successful episode and you know we're not really about the saris like any of the catch-ups like where i was what i was doing you know what we did it we moved on and